0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. As America began to try and come to terms with the surprising and for many voters horrifying results of the presidential race in 2016, the subsequent rapid-fire speed of events, and the jam-packed news cycles meant that nobody would ever really have the opportunity to truly and properly reflect on exactly what happened in 2016. It's called The Accidental President, and we're joined today by the producer and the director of the film, and that would be James Fletcher. James, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Mike, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. That, I just barely barely scratched the surface of what this film is about. And this it's a terrific documentary in that you get all but one of the important people in the, <laughs> in the telling of this story to be participants in it. And, some, and so you get a very well-rounded look at it from a very almost clinical perspective. That's a little bit, not quite that way, but I mean, it's sort of, you look at it from that perspective what inspired this
1: well i'm as you can hear from my accent not a native of the united states therefore i don't have a vote but i was in america in 19 in in during the run-up to the 2016 election so i had in many ways a front row seat my wife's a journalist she was working at cnn at the time and so i was part of a lot of the process and as with many other people i didn't see the outcome coming a mile away however in my country there was a conversation about brexit at the time and when uh, the Brits in June, 2016 decided to exit the European Union, that's when I at least allowed for the possibility the world was going in a different direction. And I would have said to friends over there, don't think it's in the bag for Clinton, but I will absolutely admit I never saw Trump winning. Um, and then of course, he wins. We, we know to, to, to a lot of people's, you know, surprise. And after that, I expected to be a lot of analysis about how someone could come in, From the outside the system and effectively launch a corporate takeover of Washington, which is pretty much what Trump did. And while a lot of people in the business of polling and media and so forth were busy laughing at him, he was busy building his base and we all know what happened in November. And then in the following year, 2017, nobody really seemed to have the time to reflect in a normal way on what had just happened in 2016. So it struck me as something people needed to think about and think about fairly seriously. Not just because, you know, it looked like that was going to be a one, to, a two-term presidency, and we, you know, COVID and such like changed the outcome of 2020. But I will maintain that if a game show host becomes the most powerful person on the planet, there is serious grounds for an inquiry. And so that's why I set out to make this film.
0: <clears throat> going back in history a little bit wasn't the election of Boris Johnson kind of a canary in the coal mine?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, yes, yes in many ways. I mean, uh Boris Johnson to be technical took over leadership of the Conservative Party from Theresa May, which by default means it becomes the prime minister in the prime ministerial system, that's how it works. Yes, he then of course he then goes on to call them an election, but that's after Trump's one, which he in which he succeeds. And he's also a populist. There's no question about it. Uh, he knows to appeal, how to appeal to a certain base. In many ways, he's a character he dreamt up himself and has spent his adult life playing it. Um, so yes, there are certain parallels. And of course, he was very involved in the Brexit campaign. So in a sense, uh, to predate your question about him becoming prime minister, he had a, a big effect on that outcome. So yes, uh, Boris Johnson, there is there is a lot there is a lot in common with Trump. Uh, there's no
0: question about it. I want to give due to the the grievances, the the underlying issues, the general um, unrest among so many people here in the United States and throughout the developed Western world that have given fertile ground for people like Donald Trump. But I, there's one fact that I heard, I think I might have heard it before the election, but I certainly heard it right after the election. The Trump Donald Trump was the first presidential candidate in American history, to have 100% name recognition when he ran. No other candidate in the history of the Republic has had 100% name ID. And you get into why that sort of became the case for Donald Trump in the film. But I think that is just a huge factor in why he was able to be successful.
1: Well, interestingly, a question we asked a lot of our interviewees in the film, which was, and I would actually agree. I would i would say very close to if not 100 percent also is hillary clinton an incredibly well-known individual and you think you just mentioned 1992 but she has really been in the public eye since 1992 what was interesting and atypical uh to this election normally when you have an outgoing two-term president you have two fresh candidates that most campaigns spend their life trying to build a narrative around because most voters have never heard of them and what was atypical about 2016 uh, is the fact that both candidates were mega famous um, for different reasons? Yes. Um, but yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton obviously been around Washington and the political scene for a very long time, and Donald Trump had spent his life seeking attention and being, you know, whether one wants to pay him a compliment or not, very effective at it. If that is one of his skills, is how to get attention. So mm-hmm. I agree, and I think uh, there's. I think there will be very few voters, whoever they voted for in the election. That could could any of them could really seriously claim not to have known who either of the the candidates were in in late no or, or November 2016 for sure.
0: And I would make the argument because I was in New Hampshire in 1992, as you alluded to, that for the previous 26 years there was a concerted effort to run her down in terms of you know, I, I make the cookies. There was, a, there was a famous remark she made when Bill Clinton was under attack for the Monica Lewinsky, or not Monica Lewinsky, but Jennifer Flowers. Yes. And she made a remark on 60 Minutes about making cookies. Yeah. From that point forward, she became kind of this avatar for everything the Republican Party wanted to make the Democratic Party about. So in a bad way. So the, the, their, their ascendancy to that 100% recognition is very different, but nonetheless, also for people who defend her. So it is an interesting perspective on our dynamic in this election. One of the things in the film, and again, I'll mention some of the people that you sit down with, uh, Piers Morgan, um, Catherine, Mary Catherine Ham, Aaron Sorkin, Anthony Scaramucci, a whole bunch of people whose business is to know politics and to know what's going to happen or why it's going to happen curious about your approach when you sort of were pitching the idea of them participating in the documentary what was that what was what were you saying to them about what we were doing
1: I just wanted people that would say things that weren't necessarily going to be thoughts or notions that one had never thought about for oneself but nevertheless assembled together they were people that would give slightly different and challenging perspectives for example Jerry Springer at the time was considering running for governor of Ohio and he was very aware that, it, were he to win, a, a large part of his success, which you've touched on already and how famous Donald Trump would, was, would be that it would be based on Jerry's, Jerry's, on the Jerry Springer show. And he literally said to me, I don't want people voting me, for me as governor because everyone's going around sounding Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And <clears throat> he understood, as any campaign manager will tell you, the worst thing you can ever have as a candidate that, that voters can't recognize or have no idea which is your candidate and can't pick them out of the lineup. That's yeah. the worst case scenario. So you do want to be recognized. That's good, check that box. But then there's perhaps what you're being recognized for. And um, I think that's really at the heart of your question when we're talking about the fame rating of Donald Trump. Yeah. Clinton also very famous, but it's also worth saying, Hillary Clinton was also extremely unpopular, some partly of her own doing and her, her own mistakes. And the funny thing was people were going around saying well she's one of the most qualified candidates of all time if not the most qualified qualified candidate of all time but i think it it, beho- it behoves us all to recognize some of her errors the fbi email problem was precisely of her own making because she chose to have that server that was a terrible error that i'm sure in reflection she wished she'd never made that she also had the problem with some of the decisions made by her own campaign who ultimately ultimately were answerable to her and they made some terrible terrible choices but the film is not to bash hillary clinton it's to say here comes a very serious contender for the presidency of the united states but she didn't win and we'd like to we'd like to look at why she didn't win as much as how donald trump did win or how she lost depending which way and by the way I present a load of facts for the viewer to to form his or her own opinion i'm not in the business of telling you what to think but i am laying it out in chronological order so that you can revisit these facts and try and make sense of it in your own way and i mean you mentioned donald trump's fame you know the apprentice is again another another part of this because voters have told pollsters for many years that they think a business person would be a a good choice for uh, to lead the nation well the, the ultimate poll on that is called a presidential election. And if that's true, then a number of, you know, more people check that box in Trump's favour than they check the box in Clinton's favour for whatever favorables they liked about her. Um, something was going on in America in 2016. I think something was going on in the world in 2016. Trump tapped into it. He was, you know, mercenary and unapologetic, obviously, in so doing. And, you know, again, whether Whether people like it or not isn't the point. It's what lessons are you going to take away from it, which is I really, really am looking at here.
0: Yeah, and just to frame this, 2016 election, uh, Donald Trump lost the popular vote by over three million votes, and he won in the three important states—Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania—by a total of less than I believe seven or about seventy thousand votes, which Mm -hmm. I think it works out to. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it worked out to like four or five votes per precinct if they had flipped donald trump would not have been president
1: it was incredibly close no no ways about it
0: he won i'm not disputing the point of the matter is there
1: isn't isn't a prize called president united states for the person who wins the popular vote that's the truth of the matter and a lot of people hate the electoral college they hate what it stands for and the the history behind it but that is the game and there is absolutely no point and by the way talking again from the lessons but looking to the future there is no point of any campaign manager coming along and saying we're just going to go for the popular vote and the hell with the consequences because you're going to be in the same position as hillary clinton that is the you know the very very skillful tacticians work out how to bag the the electoral college the electoral college gets you the presidency and in many other democracies around the world the same thing has happened where a candidate has won the popular vote but not become the president or the prime minister. And that's those are the games, and that's the that's the calculus.
0: Yeah, absolutely um, right. Yeah. Absolutely right. The film is called The Accidental President. We're talking to the director and producer, James Fletcher. It is a recent phenomena in American political history where the preponderance of the times that has happened where the person who lost the popular vote still becomes president because that's kind of a new wrinkle i think five three out of the last five elections where the person who lost the popular vote became president which is it's a bad trend and but it is the it's the demographics there are so many things about this be, this film because it opens up all of these different aspects of running for president donald trump also announced his presidential campaign at a time when there was a tremendous amount of cultural, economic turmoil, And more and more people have become more and more aware of the fact that the discrepancy between the richest and the poorest people in this country is a gap that's widening. One of the reasons why Bernie Sanders did so well in 2016 and often was cited as the second choice of the Trump voter was Bernie Sanders, is why why it it was there. And for people to pretend that what's happened to the United States, especially in the Midwest, the hollowing out of the manufacturing sector, all these different have had a tremendous impact on our politics, but were really relatively unrecognized to this extent that that was having an impact on the election. 2016 brought all of that home. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: it probably is. I mean, listen, one of the one of the great value propositions in life has changed. If right. you say to me, I don't like my house, I don't like my car, I don't like my job. Well, the obvious thing I'm going to say to you, Mike, is, well, what are you going to do about it? And, and, and if your answer is, I'm not going to change anything, then I can say to you confidently, I don't think you're going to wake up in a, in a space of time from now and feel any different. So there was a there's a phenomenon of people who voted Obama, Obama, Trump. They thought they were having a tough life. Obama comes along. He, he has a he has a message of hope and change. Hey, I like the sound of this. Maybe it'll change my life. I vote for Obama, Obama. Ah, on the end, it's not really changed my life. I'm still in, pretty much in the same position I, I thought I was in. Here comes this guy Trump. He's got a different change message, but nonetheless, he's promising root and branch change. Well, again, you can't stick with the same people and expect a change. So you go off in a, in a totally different tangent. The change value proposition is not never to be underestimated. It's been used many times in many presidential and le- elections all over the planet, um, and always will be because if people feel they're falling behind or they're missing out or other people are having a better time than they are in life. The power of change is something people find very appealing again and again. And so I think it was a change year. You'd had a two-term presidency of Barack Obama and people either loved him or or didn't love him. And here was an opportunity to go off in a different direction if you didn't feel like you were benefiting. And that's precisely what Trump tapped into.
0: Right, and it's also been historically true the, the American electorate tends to change parties after to, uh, a re-election of a second a second term for a presidency. That's not unusual for this to be kind of a cyclical thing, which also played into Trump's yeah. um, to Trump's favor. One and and there have been two pretty consequential elections. Well, there have been many. I think all of them are consequential, but some more than others. But the Ronald Reagan election in 1980, and he yeah. said famously, "Are you better off today than you were?" last year and then trump said something that i thought was very effective i believe it was near the end of the election but it might have been somewhere in the middle where he said what have you got to lose and that that phrase as kind of simple as it is is also something that resonates with people
1: that's exactly what i mean by that change value proposition because if i said if i said you you don't like your job and you don't and you say well i don't know if i should change The, the answer is quite literally what have you got to lose yeah And you can't expect anything to change if you're not prepared to change something yourself or take control of it. And that's, and that's what the Brexit campaign was all about. It was, it was the same framing, which is taking back control. If you thought that was the the buzz, the, the buzz phrase there, taking back control. If you felt that you'd ceded all this power to the European Union, someone comes along and says, Hey, why don't you take back control? Very hard to argue with. And the same, and the same, and the same outcome obviously prevailed because they were Uh, They were tempted by the same change message and changes and is an extremely powerful uh, incentive for for voters when they feel dispirited or left out.
0: I have to resist the temptation to sort of continually kind of make up excuses as to why Hillary lost and Trump won. But I think there are some hard sort of hard facts that are definitely um, of consequence here. Hillary ran a horrible campaign. I can tell you as someone who's done a few of these, it was abysmal. And so she is a tremendous amount of responsibility and blame goes towards the Clinton campaign, the advisors herself. I don't exactly know where the breakdown was. She never visited Wisconsin. Are you kidding me?
1: And, and it's not actually, I, I, we didn't go into it in the film, but President Obama offered three times to fly to Wisconsin in Air Force One. With the full razzmatazz of the presidency and to go along, and basically the answer he was given based on data mining and by an operation in brooklyn was don't worry wisconsin's in the bag we've got this we're going to we're going to places like nevada we're going for a scorched earth victory here we're going we're going we're going to take it all down such was the hubris and i think also you, but you do make a very important point mike which is that you get two terms democrat democrat so effectively Hillary was also trying the, the almost impossible thing, which was to become a third term, uh, Democrats. So on the end of, we have in the film, Professor Allen, Alan Lickman, who has correctly predicted the outcome of the elections every time since 1984, including 2020. And he said it would, one of his keys, he has this test and one of the keys is a personality that's probably as big or bigger than the president. Well, it's very hard to outshine Barack Obama. And then people started saying daft things. Well, like, what if Oprah Winfrey had, had run, uh, you know, for, for office? As if that, as if fame alone was a uh, was a factor. So Hillary Clinton had a, as a person who's not as charismatic as Barack Obama, really, really had a huge obstacle in her way to become effectively a third-term Democrat. So, and again, it was Alan Lickman who said to us, uh, we didn't put this in the film either, but any of those Republicans would have would have won for the reasons you outlined. You had two terms. Of Democrats, the of Democratic president, and therefore it was going to be a Republican one way, one way or the other, and, and then of course it was a question of which Republican.
0: Well, yes and no. The margin was so razor thin. I don't know if they would have taken Wisconsin, Michigan, and and uh, Pennsylvania for granted if any of the other Republicans had been r- running. I think that I think the Hillary campaign assumed that he's such a buffoon. And that there are enough hardcore Democratic voters in those states that we're we we should not you know, whatever. But the other thing she didn't do, which is just amazing to me, is she never even tried to court Bernie Sanders. She should have do, do something along the lines. Now I understand kind of the political dynamics of not making her his president him her right. vice presidential candidate. I get that. But the fact is she shunned him. He gave her a run for her money when he wasn't even a democrat to start with and he gave right. her all she could handle there are just so many things here that are just yeah. mind-boggling right well, as Van Jones says
1: in the film you know if you lose your primary in Michigan that is all the evidence you need <laughs> to know that you've got an absolutely massive problem on your hands you know on reflection the data is not kind and you know I, I it, this is, it, one thing I find really interesting, to get less technical about it, this is, a, this is an anecdotal thing, but Howard Stern tried very hard to get an interview with Hillary Clinton, and he, we, we have a clip of him in the film explaining that he felt that had she appeared on uh, his show, it could have been very important in certain parts of the country. And I understand, Hillary Clinton is not a risk taker in that sense, and Howard Stern is risky, but th- this is just an interesting thing. If you look on YouTube now, there is an interview with Howard Stern and Hillary Clinton, and it's about two and a half hours long. And you know, what, what do you mean two and a half hours long? It's after the elections, after she's lost. And you see a side of Hillary Clinton that is absolutely fantastic. And it's, and you realize how this buttoned up, overproduced version of her that, you, you know, was like somebody trying too hard on a date the whole time, gave her this nervous energy that she just didn't appear relaxed on the campaign trail in a way. And the, the, the title, The Accidental President, leans towards my conclusion, this is my personal uh, view, that I don't think Donald Trump ever intended to become president. I think it was a publicity stunt that got out of hand, and every time he did, this is like the plot of a terrible Hollywood film, every time he did the thing or things one should never do as a political candidate, he prevailed, his numbers went up. And so every time he behaved as recklessly, so he became, he was a more relaxed candidate did not really care was going around to his to his rallies having a good old time and the numbers just kept growing And uh, every time you know and we touched on it a few times things he should never have done be rude about mexicans be rude about john mccain the, the, the gold star family on and on it goes uh, and every time he made this supposedly cardinal errors he he benefited from it whereas i think the clinton campaign was so stage managed you know there's allegedly there were nine people required to to sign a tweet from her every time she wanted to go on twitter and so you never have this spontaneity and voltage that a free a free thinking carefree candidate can have and present as as we all appeal as we all incline to individuals that seem to be and this is where trump's quote-unquote authenticity i think it is true if you're freestyling and you're just and you're following your gut you actually are authentic forget all the other nonsense but i'm talking about in your in your political dynamic i think in his political dynamic he actually was authentic because he wasn't overmanaged. he basically listened to no one but himself and he just did whatever came into his head which does have a, a, a you know a, an appeal to it and, be, and it's as attractive to people however much they want to hate the pantomime villain that's what he managed to succeed with um and i'm afraid to say Hillary Clinton didn't manage the same feat.
0: Once again, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with James Fletcher. He is the director and producer of the film The Accidental President. It is out now? now
1: you can find it a premium on Apple and Google and Amazon. And we have a limited theater run on June the 21st.
0: Are there are a couple of things I want to um, really quickly get to. I don't think you can understate, and this is where politics merges with commerce, and that is, I think you can overstate how important Trump's candidacy was to the bottom line of news organizations. He oh. was a for sure click clickbait. He was he was a goldmine. But in particular, there was now we were also seeing the really the ascendancy of not just Fox News but One um, um, America and Newsmax, were really coming into their own during this period of time. And Trump was happy to feed into that. So while while I I'm trying to stay away from the sort of more incendiary parts of the the elections, which was but the the media, very effective in terms of not only were Fox News and the right wing media effective, but every single day on CNN and MSNBC, it was twelve hours of what did Trump do or 100%, say to that?
1: Hundred percent, no question about it. The the synthetic feuds drummed up between you know CNN and and uh, Donald Trump was no question that was a ratings grab. Uh, les moonbez says it himself in our film you know it's damn good for cbs ratings everybody benefits there's no question about it and there's another one of our interviews interviewees says you know whenever whenever trump appeared on the air numbers went up the nielsen figures ascended so you know if you're in the, if you're running a thing called a business and you've got a population of things called shareholders that are interested in making money and you want to sell advertising well nothing improves your bottom line than than having a, a big viewership and clearly they all took advantage of that in different ways they all kept the flames alive in different ways and they all benefited from it and any of them claiming otherwise would be totally disingenuous
0: yeah he was he was the super bowl every f and day is what he yep. was
1: yep and, yeah. and 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 i think i think the electric also must bear a big part of the responsibility because trump was entertaining trump was as garcia yeah. says he was the guy that you watched because you just didn't know what he was going to say or do next and that is that jeopardy is what all TV producers spend their life trying to reproduce in drama and everything you watch on television. The what's what's going to happen next quality is is what drives people to watch a series on on television and so on. And Trump provided tons of that, and it was entertaining. And again, even the most high-minded individual who thinks they're smarter than everyone else and best than everyone else would probably have to admit that a lot of their viewership of Trump during the twenty sixteen election was was based on entertainment and curiosity not a, a, a serious political argument of any strike whatsoever
0: well i honestly to this day i don't know what his actual agenda was build the wall i guess that's one thing
1: well that's but, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with you there because i'll tell you where, where he well you might i tell you what, I'll, what what he did very cleverly is he gave certain voters who care let's call them single issue voters who care yeah. enormously about one thing pro-life the supreme court taxes build the wall he gave a lot of people who said to pollsters i don't like him at all i really can't stand him but you know on the one thing i care about he's going to look after my interests
0: that's exactly
1: very carefully did, and unfortunately again oh you know clinton time and again was really really struggled to connect with voters about what she was going to deliver and so in fact i i would and the other thing you'll remember there's a moment in the film where we ask a lot of people what Clinton's campaign slogan is. I mean, hardcore political journalists can't remember what her her slogan was, and part, part of the reason is because it changed four times. Whereas, you know, again, I another way I describe this any election, in fact, an election is a marketing competition, which you'll relate to from your own your own time on the campaign trail. And and, and an election favors the candidate that can tell and sell their story better than their opponents. Yeah. On that occasion. You know those skills, unfortunately, don't necessarily translate into governorship or or, or, le- or leadership. But you have to be able to sell yourself very convincingly on a campaign trail. Which, of course, frankly, are Trump's skills any time of the day over Clinton's. But Clinton's what she understood about government and leadership, unfortunately, mattered very little on a campaign trail. So they were they, they were both on a campaign trail with in her case, the wrong the wrong skills at the wrong time, and in his case, the right skills at the right time, meaning that he had the, the opportunity to do his marketing because that precedes the election, and unfortunately for her, she was uh, well disposed the other way around.
0: There's one last story, anecdote I'd like to relate to, you because I, back in 1996, a guy named Steve Forbes was running for president for the, on the Republicans. The flat rate tax. Hmm?
1: The flat rate tax.
0: Yeah. Well, that was it, but but someone asked him because at some um, some point he had no chance of winning. He was not, but he continued to campaign yeah. and they said to him, why are you doing this? What, what is, what's the value of you doing this? And he said, well, ad revenue at, at Forbes magazine has gone through the roof. Okay. And so, and now he's, these are certainly not the same, you know, there's sure, certainly there've been people run for president for the, for the glamor, for the profile of it. But I think this is a relatively new phenomenon. It was after that, it was Forbes, and then there were a whole bunch of other, the pizza guy, you know, 999 pizza guy, right? The Republican, mostly Republicans, almost exclusively actually. And I think that's what Trump saw was, this was a branding exercise. At one point he wins a primary and he's got his steaks and champagne on a table in front of him as he's speaking about winning. The, a, pr- a presidential primary, and he's marketing his steaks and champagne. This was always a branding exercise. And then there's other factors. And we're not going to get into that. We don't have time. And I don't want to go down this road. But he did have some outside, let me, that's some quotes, outside help. So, mm-hmm. There are a lot of things. This is a great I'm just I'm I could talk to you for 3 hours about this movie because there is so much in here. There really is. I want people to know. The Accidental President, there's a ton of stuff even even if it's painful for you or even if you're thrilled with watching it. it there's just a lot to chew on and to understand and I don't know how we make our electorate better. I don't know how we would make our election system better, but it's always good to know.
1: I agree. And I think Everyone has a different opinion about why Trump won in 2016, because it's not—it's not one single thing. It's not hanging chads in Florida. Right. It is a combustion of events which happened that caught a lot of people off guard. A lot of people were extremely lazy and didn't pay attention and thought the whole thing was a joke and didn't challenge him. We can go on forever about
0: the how Green Party, happened. the Green Party in the Michigan. Was, so there's the a whole. Of
1: is, yeah. The fact of the matter is, he <laughs> did win. Whether you like it or not, he did win. He was president. He was the 45th president of the United States. And, because it, and don't forget, because it's happened once, means it could happen again yes. with, with him, with him potentially in 2024, or with someone else another time. And there is a lot to understand and a lot to debate. And no one's ever going to have the right answer, But it, but we all owe it to ourselves to understand what happened. Because the system isn't changing, meaning there is a lot to learn.
0: Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for indulging me because this is almost therapeutic for me and and it's again, it's such a terrific film, The Accidental President. We've been joined today by the producer and the director of that of that film and that would be James Fletcher. James, thank you so much for being I'm here. Today. Me.
1: Thank you.